next session. So we're talking about Philadelphian partnerships. Um, that was an incredible message that that uh, Tony just gave us and exposition actually on on powerful partnerships. It's so good. I was like Tony, I'm going to take your I'm going to steal your outline and put that. I want that in our HBI course on church planning because that is that is what it is. I mean, it is just it is excellent. So thank you, bro. Thanks for for uh, digging all that out and and bringing it to us. And I looked up Lystra or Lystra. You know what it says? At least in the King James Concordance or whatever I was looking at, Strong's. It's Lustra or yeah, Lustra. And I'm like, how do you get that out of a Y? I don't know. I think we're both wrong, but I I don't know. So I'm sticking with Lystra. So <laughs> you can do Lustra or you're Lystra. You're, I'll be Lystra, and then the 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 Concordance people can be Lustra. That sounds wrong. All right. So, uh, hey, man, uh, my the partnerships that we have, and Tony is so right. I wouldn't know. Uh, Tony, I met Tony through through Mike Blake. I met um, Jay through Mike Blake. Um, and he's like a relational magnet. And uh, and so um, I met Artemio, and I met I met I met a lot of people through Mike Blake. And I just appreciate Mike. Uh, but you're my friend too. That's the most important thing. He's a real friend in ministry. Um, we've known each other for 30 years now, and plus over 30 years now. And uh, him and his wife and his family. And uh, man, when I saw uh, Josie come in, I was just like, "Oh, that's so awesome, Josie! I'm glad you're with us this week." And it's just so cool. Then four years ago, uh, when Mike had to bolt and she had to go in the hospital, and man, they went through a deep valley. But through all of that, man, just joy. I mean, Mike's in the hospital playing, praising songs, and Josie's just plowing ahead. And, I mean, you guys, it's the joy of the Lord. It's your strength. And so I just love you. That has nothing to do with the topic he's come to talk about, but I'm just thankful for the partnerships. Mike, come on up and, and share with us what the, your, what, got, what the story of what's going on uh, and the opportunities that may be available in Myanmar. Thank you. I was thinking maybe uh, all gossip comes through me. That's that's a, that's what they really mean, you know. So, man, let's pray together and let's talk to uh, a little bit of Myanmar. So, Jesus, thank you for Lord, for saving our souls. God, that we can even be here today and talk about things that are, or they're really beyond us. These things are bigger than us. God, that you would even include us on a purpose uh, on this planet um, or something that involves the kingdom. It just blows my mind. Um, so we're, that you would be mindful of a people like us. We're just very fortunate today. We just want to praise you and give you glory. Um, I want to pray for the next session as we just Talk about Myanmar, Lord, that somehow you could use this, uh, you know, in our hearts to motivate us, you know, for the things that you care deeply about, the people that you love. Lord, uh, Lord, we're saved and we're changed, and I pray that we would live to save other people and see other people change. So just uh, use the next bit of time. I just pray that it's super profitable. Keep us alert and awake and Lord, motivate us, man, motivate us to to get after it um, for you. So, Jesus, thanks. Holy Spirit of God, uh, take care of our ears and our mouth as we talk and as we listen. And uh, we just want to put you at the forefront right now. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Man, in uh, 2008 is when it kind of started. 2008 to 2014, the United States, they received over 100,000 Burmese people, refugees, off of refugee camps in Thailand and, uh, and out of Malaysia. And so um, in Monmouth, we have a uh, like a large pork processing plant. And so it seems to be a great place for... Um, immigrant people to come in, even illegals, somehow they find a way to get, uh, you know, the right numbers and the right cards to get a job into this place because they pay pretty good. And so we've had a history in our community. Um, we have a history because, you know, of course, everything was agriculture, 
uh, you know, for everybody. And then when industry came along, our area really was big. Uh, we had some big industries hit. We had uh, some steel manufacturing companies, uh, you know, Butler Buildings, those type of things. But it was a, the, the, one of their bigger plants. Uh, Gates Rubber Company that was the manufacturer of belts and hoses and most automobiles. They had a large plant in our area. Uh, Maytag made tons of appliances in our area. All these things were huge. Then, of course, we had a, in, in our town, we had the pork processing plant, which has been many a name through ta- time. The head office, I believe, is still Kansas City, Smithfield. So, yeah, used to be farmland. It's been different things through time. But anyways, I'm saying all that to say what's crazy is uh, all of that industry is closed up except the pork processing plant. So our area economically is very poor. Um, you know, and I say that, and it's not just that we're a small town. There's not much for people. And uh, even the stats in our school system are even rough when they look at struggling students or, you know, uh, you know, uh, slow students, people that need assistance. All that stuff is in our area is pretty ele- elevated. So a lot of people, even out of high school, the best place to work in our town right out of high school is you can go to the pork processing plant. But anybody that's worked in an intense factory like that knows not very many people retire from a place like that. It's hard. But I'll tell you what, where a, where a white man won't make it, man, an immigrant will come in and jump in there and be the best workers they have. It used to be a wave of not just Hispanics. It was mainly Mexicans that came in, a lot of them illegal, some not. And they came in there and just tore that place up. So we started as a church doing English classes for uh Hispanics that needed to wanted to learn English and but a ton of them were illegal so they're afraid of the church so we went through that whole thing did come in waves we've seen people saved you know hardly any didn't make many disciples though that was frustrating but you know what happened they kind of moved away and before you know it it was in this little window of uh, several years that when the the government allowed all these Burmese folks into the country um Man, we, we got a, a chunk of them in our community and because of the pork processing plant. And so, um, and, and what's, what's nuts is they've all moved on. You know, once they make one big move to the U.S., they'll literally hear that like, man, this slicing up pigs is hard work. The chicken factory, you know, Tyson, man, they're, they're, they're paying a little bit more and the work is easier. You know, and then people, they'll, they'll just move. That's very common. They're in our area for a short time. And once they see there's two more dollars an hour, three states over, they're like, that's easy. We've done this. And they'll, they'll, they'll bolt. So, uh, currently we have a wave of Congolese, um, from Africa that the U.S. has allowed in. And they're, they're now in the process. Our church, um, we've always had a tender heart, um, you know, towards, you know, people that don't belong, the strangers. You know, God told Israel always that you be careful how you treat those folks. You know, widows, orphans, those, you better be sensitive to people like this. So we've always been a church that was, you know, tried to love them and be sensitive and meet them where they're at, do classes. We've even got in with the public school system where we were actually going, they were having a hard time getting these children into processed into school because their English was so bad. So they would use our church in the evenings. We'd go to, um, I'd say there for a while we were hitting two or three homes a week, I would say, Bo, where we'd go in with a gift bag and say, hey, here's some gifts for you and here's what the town offers and we'll take your kids to school and help you get all them registered. We'd give them a Bible and all that time. And I remember there was a school board meeting where uh, a lady in our church actually went and said, hey, we feel like we just need to be honest here. Uh, we don't want to. She said, our, our church is taking Bibles in, into these homes and telling them about our church. She felt like she's being dishonest because she worked really close to the superintendent. And he's like, we're in such dire need of help. I don't care what they take in there, you know. <laughs> and so um, it was kind of pretty special. So at one point, we in our Right before COVID, we had to rent the school across the street, their gymnasium, because we were pretty crowded in our auditorium. And uh, and uh, also, I talk fast, you know, and I talk in slang and all that stuff. So I'm not the best English teacher. So they were not getting a lot of things. So we're like, let's slow this thing down. 
So we tried to slow it down and give them a church service that they could interact, ask questions, get on a whiteboard. And so they would join us for music and then we would dismiss and take a break. And uh, there would be, there was many a Sunday mornings that we would have 30 plus Congolese people in our church. Adults over there, I'd say we'd average about 16 adults that would go over for church service over there. And then we'd have their children, you know. So it was a good thing really rolling and happening. Um, so I, I, I'm kind of getting off topic a little bit. This is how it all started. The Congolese now, we don't have um, hardly any Congolese. We have one Congolese man that's kind of a member of our church that takes discipleship serious, that shows up to things, and, you know, he'll come and pray with us. The rest of them have moved on, you know, which, you know, it's sad because you try to convince them. They're like, you know what? There's a plant up in Seattle. They're paying like four more dollars an hour. We're moving up there. And I'm just like, I would use the Internet if I was you and do a little bit of research on that. You know, the four bucks an hour you're going to make more to live up in there is about ten dollars an hour more that you'll need. To, but they don't get it. They're just going. And, you know, half their money, they're getting their shipping back home to their families, you know. So it's a crazy deal. So our church is currently sitting now. We've got one Congolese man, but we've got two families from the Burma area that have stayed. A lot of them have moved and stayed. And out of the both godly couples, they're still not super integrated into our church. Um, it got me very emotional here a few weeks ago. We had one of our, um, our uh, Burmese ladies come to prayer. And we pray, broke up into circles and people are praying and all of a sudden, she was nervous to pray, and I heard her ask a lady, uh, uh, no, I heard from a lady, she said, can I pray in my language? And they're like, absolutely, you know. And so then this Sunday, we were singing music, and I looked in the back, and uh, and uh, her name's Manboy, and she was raising her hands. They're very private people. And I was just like, my gosh, God is doing something special in there. We're having a hard time. We've discipled one couple uh, that's still in our church. We're like, okay. They're not getting plugged into our church, so I'm not going to disciple them. Instead, Bo and Carrie, they're going to disciple them for just a couple weeks. Then we're going to hand the baton off to another couple. They're going to disciple for So we wanted to make sure they were in four or five different homes and connection because we got to get them in our church. They're not interacting well. Um, well. And we're not interacting well with them either. It's, you know, the uncomfortable. We've all been there before, right, with somebody that speaks another language or is of another color. Not the color difference, but when you know their color difference because they're from another part of the world. You get together and you're like, what's your name? I just met a couple. We had a professor from Spain just come in, and it's a family from Spain that comes in. And I was like, hey, man. I said, well, you know, man, nice to meet you. What's your name? And then he tell, when they tell you your name, and I'm like, excuse me? And he tells me his name again. And then the best thing you can do is just try to say it. And then you say it, and every time they laugh at me, you know, because I'm blowing it. But they like that I'm trying. And so now I get it, and I try to get it. Man, I'll try to remember that. And, uh, you know, I'd like to tell a whole story. And after church, that lady said, we're Catholic to the core. She said, my priest is up here, and we live down here. She said, I've never been to a place where the priest was vulnerable. She said, you're a real man. And I said, yes, I am. I said, the key is Christ. He's here. You know, he came down here. I said, yeah, we're, we're, God was working something. And I was like, my gosh, this is two professors now from Spain that has been in our church recently. And I'm like, it, it is great. But we're like, my gosh. I said, they're living with one of our families. They're renting from them. I said, listen we got to get those guys saved so then we can take a vacation to Spain, scope out what's on the scene for Jesus. And then I heard Midtown was looking at Spain because there's a high population of Muslims there. And I was like, maybe we'll be the open door to get them to do it. I mean, if Midtown's able to get in these places because they're using these college students, maybe we'll just use our relate. Let's support what they're doing. I'm fine with that. That's kind of what we're talking about here is all this relationships, whatever. You know, who cares, you know? So, uh it's kind of like this, man. I don't care if I get the RBI. I just want the guy to cross home plate, you know. I'm the cheerleader in the dugout, man. Let's get that guy crossed home, you know. So, okay, Myanmar. Um, these two couples in our church, um, super sweet people. We had a pastor from Myanmar 
um, come in, and his name was Pastor Moses. Pastor Moses happens to be uh, a, a graduate of uh, William Carey Bible College. And so we're like, we're going to use this guy. We're going to reach all these Burmese people that have come over. We're going to gather them in our church. And I mean, we're looking like we're going to plant a church, you know, uh, right here in our town. And uh, anyways, remember my story I tell about Pastor Moses? Remember, uh, as we were discipling a Burmese family, they're like, I said, where's Pastor Moses been? And they're like, he moved to Indianapolis. Indianapolis? Susie. Susie. He's like, Yes, he went to Indianapolis for Susie. I was like, a girl? He's a pastor. And I thought there was a prearranged marriage. He was waiting on his girl to come over so he could marry her. That's how their culture is, right? So he sold out and he's in Indianapolis for Susie? He's like, no, Susie. And I mean, I'm at the table with him and we're working. I was like, it was getting confusing. And I, I'm getting fired up because this guy was supposed to be a godly man. And I'm literally on my dining room table. I was like, I can't believe it. I said, let's drive Indianapolis. It's a five-hour drive from here. I'll drive and I'll talk to Pastor Moses. And I'll do, well, yeah, I was fired up. And I'm literally like on my table. I'm like, I can't believe it. I said, doesn't that make you sad? You know, and he's like, no, Susie. And I was like. That's how discipleship was. It takes very long time and slow, and we're not getting it. I'd say, so you do believe in eternal security? Yes. So if you went out tomorrow and did something bad, you cannot lose your salvation? Yes. Okay. So if you kill somebody, do you think if you died, you'd go to hell? Yes. Every. Uh, what are we talking about here? <laughs> That's how discipleship was. So anyways, he had to finally clarify. He goes, he's in an ambulance with for Susie and I was like and he could tell I don't get it and finally he goes you know Susie I was like sushi and he's like yes Susie well he was a chef back in uh in Malaysia he worked in a kitchen and uh yeah he's a sushi chef and so anyways Pastor Moses is all right so he sold out for sushi, not Susie. So, um, Pastor Moses, before he left, said, I need you to meet a man. And he comes into my office and he says, this is Katwang. I said, hi, Katwang. And he says, will you marry me and my wife? And I says, well, let's talk about it. And he said, she's a Christian and uh, showed me a picture of them being 11 years old. The parents are here. She's here on this end and he's here on this end. And it was a, like a prearranged marriage picture that one day you'll get married. I was like, wow, yeah, I, I've never been a part of that. And they're like, well, on a traditional Christian wedding. And so he had a testimony of being saved. And, uh, of course, man boy is, is uh, I, I'm probably exaggerating that a little bit. That's how they told us to say it. It's spelled, you know, man boy, more of that. But when you don't have that kind of accent, you're just like, man boy. And Katwang, you know, and so that was weird doing the wedding because every time I was like, hey, would you man boy? I mean, man boy, you know, sorry, dude, you know, but so uh, I, I agreed to do their wedding because they'd been in our church. He, he'd been there a little bit and uh, it was weird, though, like I'm stepping out on faith here a little bit. So they're like, hey, when can we do this? And I was like, OK, and I think I told this story to your church about the wedding. Right. Anyways, you guys know the wedding story? No. OK, I'll share a piece of it. Um, I said, how about Sunday morning? I went in the service a little bit early. Let's do a, let's do a wedding. And so all of a sudden Sunday morning comes the coffee shop. Do you guys remember that morning when like how many Burmese people showed up? Our balcony and our old building, like 50, like, yeah, I'm exaggerating 40, you know, 40 or 50 Burmese people come and work. Whoa. We're, they all come from the quad cities. They heard there was going to be a wedding. And so all of a sudden, like, we're doing this thing. And, you know, it's odd because they're very private. They don't know each other. So now that they're both, like, 30 years old, she finally got her visa to come over. Like, so I'm just like, okay. When we did the little practice, I said, hey, okay, grab each other's hands. And he'd reach over and grab, she'd pull away. I was like, hey, guys, um, you know, like, traditional, like, you kiss the bride. Are you going to do that in front of everybody? That's kind of how it works. And it was just very 
uncomfortable for them, you know. So I start this wedding, and all of a sudden, like, a guy gets right beside me, and he's got his phone. And, like, I'm like, and he's just videotaping it. All of a sudden, another per. Before you know it, how many people, like 10 people off and on? Like, I'm here. The couple's here. You know, and the church is back there watching, and we're supporting and all that. And, and like, they had no bit. Like, they just walked right in front of an important, you know, taking pictures. And I was like, okay. Nobody seemed to be offended by it. And I was like, you know, for us, we're like, hey, you're ruining our wedding pictures. Get out. Every wedding picture has two or three photographers in it, you know. And what was funny, too, is uh, we, you know, it was funny. My, my daughter, Bethany, you know, real fair-skinned and blonde-haired. I just remember they were all just like, they all wanted pictures with her, you know, especially the young boys, you know. And so I was like, all right, you know. So we're in all these pictures. But this is taking place in our church. Man, boy, and Kichwang, we did a wedding. They get married. They're still in our church. They've had children. Bo's wife has probably been more instrumental. And man, boy, is like, she also is a graduate of William Carey Bible College, and she's also an ordained pastor, like in Myanmar. And that's weird for us, um, you know, and the Bible, you know. But uh, like we're just, but she in our culture, she's never, she's not dominant, she's not strong, she's very uh, meek and sweet and all that type of stuff. But all of a sudden. Um, we're uh, doing a 2018 vision conference, like your conference. We're doing a conference, and one day we themed it in the morning on discipleship. So we're talking discipleship, and uh, all of a sudden this very sharp-dressed man walks in. You could tell he's, you know, uh, from that area, he's Burmese probably, and he walks in and sits with man, and all of a sudden he's like, this is my uh, my brother-in-law. My sister's married to him, you know, and I was like, Hey, and, and he's a pastor. I was like, hey, nice to meet you. And his name's Hao P. I said, Hao P, uh, you know, nice to meet you. And uh, we do the whole discipleship thing. And then it ends and he comes right up and he's waiting to talk. And and so after sitting for a couple hours and just hearing about discipleship and we, the philosophy of discipleship, and he said, um, this is what we need. This is like what we're missing. Well, praise the Lord. So Bo got connected. You met Hal P., I remember. Um, well, Bo ends up giving him a set of discipleship lessons. He's leaving the next day, and Bo's like, whatever. You know, wish we could talk with him and meet and all this, but we're like, take it, you know. Especially you want to look at the area of missions in that window, like that 1040 area. You look at Myanmar, you know, I'm telling you, all of the, you know, um, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindus, they're packed in that square. They're packed in that rectangle. And you know why? Because Christianity hasn't pushed them out. One thing I'll say about our town, cult groups never make it in Monmouth. Jehovah Witnesses come and build a kingdom hall, they die. Uh, the Mormons every couple of years try to make a new run at it, they die. And you know why? Because believers are standing in the way. They're never welcome. Yeah, it is good. They knock on my door. No, seriously, my girls have heard me. I Bethany one time thought, man, Dad, you're awful rough on that guy. I was like, well, you know, hey. I always just say, hey, one, <clears throat> get off my doorstep. I said, because I know what you're pushing. You're false prophets. I'll tell them the business. and Because you just hope there might be a glimpse of like, what are you talking about? They never do that. And then they go to my neighbors. And I come out on the porch and say, hey, don't go there. I'll come out after you, Ben. <laughs> and seriously, they'll say, okay. And they'll get in their car and say, man, it's Praise God, we're a blessed persecuted people, ain't we? You know, feel sorry for him, you know. But anyways, um, here we are. I forgot where I was going with all that. In 2018, how P says this is what we need. And we're like, wow, you know, this is pretty incredible. And so then I looked at the area and he's actually lives in Myanmar. A lot of them are, you know, they go elsewhere to Thailand or Malaysia because they're so persecuted. And uh, so we developed a relationship with him. We don't hear a whole lot from him, but it was right during that same time that um, my daughter gets cancer. So I was really jacked up for a while. And then COVID hit. We're all a little bit jacked up for a while. And it was almost like how P was forgotten about. 
I hate to say that, but that's kind of how it worked out. Everyone saw Bo would send him a little message, or I'd send him a little message, and here's what happened. You guys know Andrew Ong. He's been here, and you guys know him and support him. He's a great, great man going to Vietnam. Andrew Ong came to our church. Uh, he couldn't make it on a Sunday, so he just came on a Tuesday. So me and Bo sit with him at a table. He shares with us Vietnam. We've known him for years, and we just chatting with him. And he says, talks all about this discipleship he's doing on Zoom. You know, and through COVID, I think we've all Zoomed a little bit, you know. I used to pray with college people, a uh, college group, every Wednesday morning on Zoom. Nobody prefers Zoom, you know, but, you know, we'd use it when we had to. And Andrew's just like, oh, we've had a lot of fruit. This guy here, we, we discipled him on Zoom, and then he came, we met him, we went over here. Da, da, da. He got all these stories and connections, and now this guy here we're currently meeting on Disciple. As he's talking about this, about Zoom and discipleship on Zoom, I'm literally like, the lights click. Like, why have I been so stupid? This guy's been asking for discipleship. And I've just, and I'm a little distracted. I'll give it some of that. But then I'm like, what's wrong with me? So I got a hold of Hal P. And he literally says like, Pastor, I've been waiting for you to call. He says, I know your daughter's struggling. We've been praying for your daughter and I didn't want to bother you and all this. And I said, well, hey, here's the deal. I said, let's talk about the philosophy of discipleship. So, okay, so we start meeting every Friday morning. And I get to take through the philosophy of discipleship. He goes, yes, this is what we need. This is it, you know. And so then, Bo, we started tag teaming. And so then Bo would meet a week or two with him. So when we started, just like we'd disciple anybody, even though he was a pastor. And the beautiful part was just how um, humble, um, open, uh, you know, to talk about these things. And we found out pretty quickly that most of his training was from the assemblies of God, which we, you know, there's some major hangups here. Um, the good news is he is saved. He's not so far charismatic. You know, some of them get really out there where, you know, you know, oh, you've never spoken in tongues and that's the sign. You're not saved, man. You need that. You know, he's not that, but they, they are definitely are liberal in their spiritual gifts. Um, their women get ordained quite often, like him and his wife are both pastors. Um, you know, there's just things like that we would, you know, just disagree with. So we were just walking, um, walking slowly, carrying a big Bible, you know, like, uh, you know, he's just going to get hit with Scripture. And so let me give you a great story. Uh, naturally, they believe, uh, you know, they're, you know, they got some healers in their denomination. They have these sessions and people come get healed and all that. So he says, man, he goes, we've been praying for complete healing for your daughter. Complete healing. God does complete healing. I was like, I, I agree. Thank you. You know, he said, my sister had cancer. Complete healing. We laid hands on her in the church. The next day, the cancer's gone. I said, okay. I said, uh, you know, pastor, I said, uh, I appreciate it, but I said, I think I need to tell you the story. So I had to unfold for him our cancer journey. I said, see, my daughter was 13 years old and very rebellious, man. Very rebellious. Like, I didn't know what to do with her, you know. Like, I was hearing stuff from other parents, and we wanted to tell you what your daughter's been doing or saying or who she's with. And it was just, so I said, it was a Sunday morning, and I said, God, I want you to do whatever it takes to get my daughter's heart. And uh, I said, then I went to a conference here, and it was a Monday evening that I got the phone call that Josie couldn't breathe, and they put her in the oncology department until they could do some further studies. So I left on Monday from here, and I just told him this whole story, and I said, we get back, and she's got a tumor over her heart and lung. And the doctor said, she's fighting for her life, Mike. She's dying. And uh, I told him this story, and I said, so, brother, I said, see, I know you sound godly and spiritual, but you're praying away what I prayed to come. I prayed to God to do whatever it takes, and God chose cancer. I said, see, the nation of Israel, and I just kept giving biblical examples, and I said, what's soon coming is God's going to have the tribulation period. You know why? It's just not to beat people senseless. There's some of that with judgment for sure, but it's ultimately going to be a reconciling of his people. He's using it. I said, see, brother, I said, so bad things 
are not always of the devil. God can use those. I'm working him on scripture and sharing. And he's just listening, listening. And when we got done, he's just like, he's like, he's never heard it before. He goes, Pastor, you are a great man of faith. I said, well, thanks. I said, but I just wanted my daughter to walk with Jesus, man. And and she just, she's got cancer. I said, now, currently she don't have it. I, I was explaining this to him. I mean, she's still suffering with other things. But see, but that charismatic background, that, you know, that, that thinking. And so I'm like, hey, pastor, let's talk about something. And we'd be in a discipleship lesson, and it would just be about, like, something would get brought up about uh, the local church and pastors. And I said, well, your, your uh, denomination ordains women, right? And he goes, yes. And he had a guest speaker that weekend, and it was going to be, uh, you know, some ordained lady pastor. And uh, and by, by the way, I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't have to clarify anything here, but uh, women should be ministers, and I, women should be teachers, and women better be preachers. All those things. Um, and I clarified this with him. I said, brother, we don't push them down. Like, it, it, it sounds weird here, I said, but... We just think there's an office and a role that God has dedicated. I'm working on hey, the disciples, all men. I said, why didn't Jesus do? He had used women, right? I'm working all these things. Look at the Apostle Paul. These women, very strong, all this stuff. I'm, and, and I'm just, and then he's telling me that. And I was like, so now you take scripture and show me why you ordain women. And he's like, well, brother, they can be used of God. And I said, yes. He's like, well... And some of them are very good teachers. Yes. I'm still asking you the question. Prove to me with scripture why this is going to happen. And and now, you know what I should be? I should be saying this and talking right now in front of the Southern Baptist Convention. Because that's what they're doing right now. It's crazy. Rick Warren, when he ordained some women here just several years back, they were threatening to kick him out and all this type of stuff. Well, now he's handed the baton over to a new guy. Him and his wife ordained ministers, and uh, the Southern Baptists finally did pull the trigger on them. They say you're out. So, uh, and uh, it's so funny. I listened to the interview with them being ordained, uh, uh, interviewed by a leadership panel, Kerry uh, uh, Newhoff's leadership stuff, and he's interviewing them, and they're talking the whole time, uh, and she's talking. Sweet people, um, meek, mild, godly loves God's word, all these things, Christ followers. This couple is beautiful. I'm, I'm beautiful. You'd listen to them and you could just tell you're drawn to them. Like, these are great people, man. But on this particular issue, they're like saying, you know, in feminism today, in our culture, this and, uh, you know, and they're working all this stuff and they're like, and people think like, oh, we can come to church. And she's like, I can teach. I can be with the children. I can do women's ministry. I can lead people to Christ. I can serve over. I can do all these things just like the man can, but he gets ordained. And I'm just like, well, first of all, the weakest leadership spot in the world is positional leadership. That's the beginning where somebody gives you a title. Like that is so immature. Like, I, I was listening to this, and they're just like, oh, yeah, and besides that, and two, as a lady pastor, you're going to get paid less. You know, I was just, I was fired up. I'm not lying. I, I don't get worked up like this about very, very many things. And they're on YouTube doing this thing. I was like, I noticed a bunch of people haven't responded to this, and yet there's like a thousand people, thousands and thousands of people watching this, because it's big time. And so uh, I'm like, that's it. So I don't normally do this, but I got on there, and I was like, <laughs> I did, and I wasn't mean or not. I said, you guys are great people. I can tell the Spirit of God abides in you. I said, you know, the problem is you're as spiritual as it gets. You're just not scriptural. You keep saying, you keep saying out of your mouth that we want a biblical philosophy for our ministry. I said, gang, I'm a simpleton. In the last hour, I've not heard one book, not one chapter, and not one verse. You've bought into a philosophy. That's what the Bible says. You got a hold of a philosophy and you got a hold of rudiments that are not after Christ. They're not grounded in the mind of Christ and the word of God. I said, it's the spirit of the age, not the spirit of the living God. You know, I notice people liking other people's comments. Mine's just sitting there. What I really want is this pastor who pastors, what, 15, 20,000 people now? 
He's got a staff of 800 people. I think Saddleback Church does. I want him to call me. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know, so we could talk about this, you know, like, hey, dude, I love you. And I told him, I love you guys. I can tell you guys are sweet people. You're just wrong. That's all. So anyways, I, I, that was my soapbox last week. I'm off of it. <laughs> so just to let you guys know, God used Andrew Long relationships. We were talk, been talking about the partnerships. And I was just like, so me and, hey, Bo, do you got any examples maybe or anything like, because Bo was, met with him a chunk too, like, uh, of like cool things in discipleship of him, like, responding well or learning or oh it's terrible So, no, uh, he's very well connected. And uh, let, let me say this. Uh, we use the acronym faithful, available, teachable for a disciple. You know, we want them to be faithful. Uh, it's hard to find faithful people, we, available people. But he, he's all three of those. And the thing that when you were talking about some of his Assembly of God background, um, Guys, that's hard for somebody who's been immersed in a culture their entire life of that's what they know. He's a good man. He, 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 like Mike said, he wasn't so far gone in the Assembly of God movement that he believed some of the real wacko stuff. But we, we had some long, hard sessions on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right, and um, the gifts of the Spirit. And I think this man is teachable. That's where I'm getting at. That third T that's what makes him uh, a potential of, wow, this guy's worthy of investment because he's a teachable man. It's it's hard to find teachable people today. Yeah. One, one, remember Peter in Acts chapter 10? He, uh, he, he says, not so, Lord, three times. And, well, it's because he grew up in a culture immersed of, well, man, that's Jewish law. And that, that's kind of how I see uh, how P. It's like uh, I think this man, he, he's willing to say, what saith the Bible? I, yeah. I'm willing to adjust my life. So there's a lot of neat things we could share, but that's probably the one that comes to mind the most is that he, he's teachable. And in spite of the turmoil he's going through to get uh, what he knows he needs, yeah. he's thankful. He's thirsty for it. We sometimes take for granted what we have, and there's pastors like him that they need it. So, yes. yeah. You know, what's crazy is in, in, in Myanmar, we can't get in there right now. They can't get out. Well, they can get out to a few local places, like local, I mean, in, in their area of the world. They can get out to Vietnam. They can fly over into Bangkok, that type. But they, he can't get in the U.S. saying, no way. And so he can't get here. We can't get there. So um, he's asking us to go to Bangkok, Thailand. He's got several other pastors he wants to meet and us sit in a hotel for four or five days. He wants to talk these things. He says, these are things we need. So uh, there's an open door there. And uh, we're really thankful that it's there. But we're also, there's a little bit of doubt. Um, and by the way, one big thing over there, um, uh, they want to start a preschool. They had a preschool started for to teach English to these little children. And it was very, people were coming like crazy to it. And he goes, so then we use the Bible. And people are okay with that because you realize the majority, they're almost like close to 90% Buddhist. And even the 5% they would claim Christian, they're including Catholic with that. So, you know, you're probably down to, you know, there's not a lot of Christians. And so they, they need to, he sees it. I had a video to play for you. It's super, I have two videos. They're super long. So what, what we'll do, I, I got 10 minutes of time left. So Ray, could you push play on that video? I interview his kids at the beginning of this one. Um, so let's just bump, let, you'll, you'll get to hear this guy and tell me if you don't think he's getting it. Bump. Five minutes in. Just bump five minutes in and we'll just trust God that we can hear something for a minute or two here. I'm sure. I'm sure. 
Al P, tell us, I remember when we met you, you came to the United States. Uh-huh. Was that four years ago? Yeah, 2018. 2018. Yeah. And when you came into our conference, we were talking about discipleship. Yes, Pastor, yeah. And so then we started meeting every week on Zoom and just talking uh, about the biblical philosophy of discipleship. And then yes. we went through the lessons together. Um, I would meet with you or sometimes Bo would meet with you. And tell us yeah, about so discipleship and what it has meant to you. This cause is very uh, good for me. It impacted my life. And thank you, Pastor Mike. Blake, and thank you, uh, Pastor Baldwin, for your teaching and for your investing your time, uh, for your uh, allowing me to become your disciple, disciples uh, in the discipleship course. I want to highlight something, uh, some points that, firstly, uh, when I learn about discipleship, I know about the importance of disciples that Jesus had begun. Yep. In earthly ministry, Jesus is a powerful God. He is omnipotent God, but he didn't do the ministry only by him, not by himself only. He selected 12 people, 12 yes. disciples to be disciples and to send out not only for the Jerusalem, not only for the Samaria, but also for the the end of the world. Yeah. So uh, even though Jesus himself do discipleship, this uh, he select disciples. I come to know. I come to know the discipleship is very important for uh, in a ministry in a church. Yeah. And then uh, the second one that I learned is that when I study about the discipleship course, I know that who is who am I I come to know that my identity what is my real identity I stay I live in the world but I belong to God mm. so not of the world that identity my righteousness my uh, my righteousness and there is no condemnation God saved me and God gave me eternal security yeah, yeah. And the third one is that I always say to Pastor Bao and Pastor Mike, like, whenever I met these two pastors, my life, my spiritual life is uh, recharged again. The reason why uh, I say the recharge is, uh, you know, our current situation in Myanmar, the news we heard, the voice we heard, the news what we read, everything's uh, negative voice, bad yeah. news, and there is no future. It seems no future. Yeah. Uh, full of full of uncertainties uh, tomorrows. I wish yeah. you could listen to this because he gets on talking about multiplication, and you're like, yes. He, he, I think he's getting it. Like he's seeing it, you know. And this guy is one smart dude, very educated. He's got way more education than I do. He's got several degrees, incredible. And he's constantly like taking. He'll he'll get money. We just sent him seven hundred dollars. He takes it, and with seven hundred dollars, he's able to buy so many sacks of rice and so many sacks of flour. He's literally goes to the poor places. He said people are dying. They're starving there. I mean, there's bombs going off in the street. So they go out to these slum areas, and they literally got sacks of rice, and people gather around the trailer, and he stands up and he proclaims the gospel. And he'll say, Pastor, I've seen six men get saved today. And I said, man, is there any church over where they're at? And he goes, no, Pastor. It's just like common. I'm just like, my gosh, you know. And so anyways, uh, I just wanted to get you a little taste of him. And I I think our church might have those videos up on YouTube or something. But we interview his kids, his wife. I mean, they're they're just genuine. So I feel like this is an open door. I'm thankful, Brian, you let me share about this. But... I want to pray a couple things. I want to pray that myself included, the Maple City Baptist Church, that we'd be filled with faith. God's opened this door. We need to go through it. 
we're broke as a joke, man. That's our common theme. And God, every time we step out for him, God supplies. Uh, Like, I do not know how we're going to buy tickets to get to Bangkok. And then they don't have the money to fly there, which is 200 bucks per pastor. $30 $30 a day for two men to sleep at this place, $10 a day to feed every man. You just start doing the math five or six days. I'm like, man, we got a $6,000 trip on our hands and uh, to a church that don't have any money. Um, anyways, yesterday I was sharing this and sharing a little bit of this with some people. And uh, I had a guy yesterday came up and says, I think we can, I think I can fund that trip. That might happen. I don't know. Praise God. You know, I, I, but I want to I want to step through that door. It's still risky. We don't know what what they're all about. But pray that we be filled with faith too. pray for how P that we can have doctrinal clarity. And guys, listen, they're poor. They're poor. Whenever there's a missionary, you go to somewhere as a missionary, but. It's hard not to get sucked up into that. And Jesus says, you're going to have the poor with you always. But don't you want to give everything when you leave? I go, I'm giving my underwear. My, oh, here, I got a half a stick of deodorant left. You guys keep that, man. And that sounds corny, but they're like, thank you. Thank you. I got a little cologne. You know, hey, you guys don't want the toothpaste? You know, I'm keeping my toothbrush, but you can have the rest of this stuff, you know. And uh, But you can get wrapped up in that. And this guy here, he's always asking. He's the pastor of the $700 you gave me. We didn't spend anything except on the rice and the flour, but not on ourselves. This is for the ministry. We want you to know that. And I said, I believe that. But there is something, too. I'm just careful. I know he'll say sometimes what I want him to say because they know that we have the ability maybe to support them and help them. And if your family was hungry, you'd be thinking that way, too. I don't think it's devilish or anything like that. So just pray that we'd have discernment there. I don't want this guy to doctrinally say he agrees with everything just to keep us happy. And any people pleasers in the room, we tend to do that with people. And uh, and so anyways, uh, those three things. Pray that we'd be filled with faith. Pray for how peace doctrine. Hey, we got two minutes left on my clock before my time is up. So let's do this. Um, let's just pray right now. Let's bow our heads. And if I could have one person in the room... Pray that our church would be filled with faith and we would start getting busy about things that matter. That we would risk it. Even if we don't have the money, we would trust God by faith. Somebody pray for our church. Then after that's done, somebody step up and you, you out loud just pray for how P in doctrine and, and clarity that we could understand and that this guy might be a key man that we could go over there and, uh, and see this thing through. And then the third thing, so don't pray long because we got well almost out of time, but the third thing, is if we could have somebody pray that uh, the finances, that, that could happen too. So let's do it. Three people pray for those three things. You ready? The first person pray for what? Our church. We would get, get after and do that. Two, how peace doctrine. Three, cash. Let's pray together. God lays it on your heart. Just pray out loud. Yes. Amen. Lord, I come before you and just want to lift up MCBC, Lord. I've been there. I've experienced the hospitality and the heart they have for you, Lord. And I've also seen them struggle, Lord, financially, spiritually. Lord, just be with MCBC. Be with everyone there. They want to do a mighty work for you, Lord. Please provide the money that they need so they can continue to do the missions that they have before you. Lord, just continue working through them as they have these opportunities to just go. Lord, they just want to go, Lord, and they want to go for you to just give you all the honor. Lord, I just want to lift that up to you during this time. I do this in your great and holy name. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity to bring this before your throne. Lord, we just pray, God, a a blessing upon the opportunity that you might have even for... um, Lord, a further partnership, Lord, down the road to get the gospel where it needs to go on time to faithful men who are able to teach others also. And, Lord, just pray, Lord, that uh, truly that this brother, uh, how P, would be um, able and stable, rightly dividing the word. And, Lord, I just thank you for Mike's heart and um, Bo's heart and their investment and, and uh, Maple City's heart to invest in, in uh, this uh, key people group. Lord, there's been a, a battle uh, over the souls of these people for at least a couple centuries now, going on in 200 years, 
since William Carey, or actually uh, Adnar Jetson, uh, you know, planted the seed, the seed plant church there um, in Rangoon. And so, Father, I just pray, God, that you would continue to just develop all of this. I, I thank you for Mike's request for faith, Lord. Without faith, it's impossible to please you. And so, Father, I just pray, God, that you would just meet all of these prayer requests. Thank you for the simplicity of it, Lord. It's easy to understand and see and uh, and to pray for. And, I, Lord, I, I know you can provide. Uh, that's the last thing we need to worry about is finance, Lord. You will provide over and above what we ask or thank because this is your will. Uh, Lord, you want to get the gospel where it needs to go. Uh, Lord, I just the, the, the big factor, the X factor, Lord, is <clears throat> the soil. And so, Father, we just pray, God, that you provide fertile soil. Uh, for the seed to be planted, and Lord, that we would be faithful, and that uh, Maple City be faithful, Lord, in the in the command to go. Lord, we thank you and praise you for this opportunity and the time to see it and to to really even experience it right now in prayer. Uh, Lord, it's so much bigger than than this small conference. Um, it's it's a big deal. Uh, the souls that need to be reached there, the war that's going on, it's it's touched our life as a church here as well. And so, Father, it. Uh, it's like a like the vibrations in a, in a musical instrument, Lord. It's resonating uh, through our hearts because it's resonating in your heart. Or there are there are people in bondage, literal war situations, crying out. Uh, I'm sure there's some saints crying out to you, Lord. And 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 Lord, like Moses, we need to answer the call. So Father, uh, help us set aside any excuses that we might have and, and trust you for power that we don't have. And, uh, and to see you do things that are over and above what we might even ask or think for your honor and glory. For the kingdom of God's sake, for eternity's sake, Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mike. So we're going to take a break. And uh, HBF folks, I don't know if you know this, but we actually have sent money to uh, Burma for the same region uh, because of a brother, a Burmese brother down here in KCK that is a friend of Dave Pierce. He reached out to me a few months ago. Uh, so uh, you guys don't know that. I didn't tell you that. But so, man, this is a big deal. God is, you know, when you start talking about the war, especially just rang my bell again about that. We have some Burmese right here in KCK that uh, have been to our church, danced on our stage at Vision Conference and all of that. Uh, you might have been here that year. They all came and danced. That same people, or not maybe necessarily the same tribal people, but the same area, same wars going on. Uh, their families are getting obliterated. It's a difficult season over there. So, uh, you're not going to open up the newspaper and read about it. Nobody cares. It's not a geopolitically significant issue for the for America right now, uh, but it's serious for those people. And uh, and again, I just say amen. So thanks, uh, Pastor Pastor Randy was so moved by what he heard at the Vision Conference in Monmouth last fall that he he requested that you share this with the church. And uh, so this this was a message we need to hear. Uh, because we're praying with them that if we can support it in any way, man, we want to, we just want to help. We want to have a Philadelphian partnership. So, thanks, thanks, Mike. Love you and love you. Love your church, and I, I want to hope this goes for Jesus. So let's all stand and go get a go get a uh, uh, go get refilled again. And then after that, our next session we're going to start it at about <coughs> uh, probably 20 till. Give you a good long break, and then uh, and then Brian's going to come and, and tell us why Ireland.